Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) And just want to honour all the women here uh, and just bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Uh, My message today isn't uh, specifically for women, it's for everybody. So it's not about mothers, but it is about the mothering heart of God. And uh, so this morning, um, you know, just thinking about some of the the fun things of of mothering and was just reading some funny one-liners like, uh, mother to son, I'm warning you, If you fall out of that tree and break both your legs, don't come running to me. (laughs) Mothers with teenagers know why animals eat their young. (laughs) Sorry, Saskia and Fabian. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) No mother complained that her children called her too often. And with my kids this, this week, um, we've all sort of been in different continents. Jonathan's in New York. He just sent me a photo from outside Juilliard Music School, which is pretty awesome. And our son David's in Spain, and we were in Australia. And the, uh, Fabian and Saskia were both, both here, and man, we were so glad for the internet. It's so uh, was able, you know, that we're able to actually communicate together with one another. That was that was wonderful. But I I I don't really want to eat the young. But <laughs> I want to start with a story that Joyce Meyer wrote, and uh, it's about Mum and Dad were watching TV when Mum said, "I'm tired and it's getting late. I think I'll go to bed." So she got up and went to the kitchen and made sandwiches for the next day's lunches, rinsed out the dessert bowl, took meat out of the freezer for supper the following evening, checked the cereal box level, filled the sugar container, put spoons in the bowls, put bowls on the table, started the coffee pot for early the next morning, put some wet clothes in the dryer, put a load of clothes in the washer, ironed a shirt, sewed on several loose buttons, picked up a games left on the table, then put the telephone book back in the drawer. She watered the plants, emptied the wastebasket, hung up the towels to dry. She yawned and stretched and headed for the bedroom. She stopped by the desk and wrote a note to the teacher, counted up some cash for the school outing, pulled out a textbook from under the chair, signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope, wrote a quick list for the supermarket the next day. She went and put both of them in her purse. Mum then cleaned her face, put on moisturiser, brushed and flossed her teeth, trimmed her nails, and hubby called out, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. She put some water in the dog's bowl, put the cat outside, made sure the doors were locked, locked in, looked in, in on each of the children, turned on the bedside lamp, hung up some shirts, threw some dirty socks in the laundry basket, had a brief conversation with the one child doing homework. In her own room, she set the alarm, laid out clothing for the next day, straightened up the shoe rack, added three things to her to-do list for the next day. About that time, her husband turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed. And he did. (laughs) Generally, I really hate those stereotypes because actually it's Gideon who runs around and picks up the towel in our house (laughs) and does the lock up and feeds the dog. But but you kind of get the idea. And the the mothering heart of God is what I want to talk about. 
Um, not that God is a woman, and because He's not, but neither is He a man. Uh, but the traits and characteristics of both the mother and the father are present in the Godhead. And that's what I want to look at this morning. We've heard so much actually on the topic of the father heart of God, but very little about the mother heart of God. And I've been reading a book this, re- um, this week written by Trudy Bayek called The Mother Heart of God, Unveiling the Mystery of the Father's Maternal Love. Trudy is an investigative journalist And she felt a real call to write this book, but it took many, many years in the making. And she interviewed over 50 theologians, uh, church leaders and pastors and asked them, do you feel that there is a feminine aspect to God's character? And it was really interesting, the responses that she got. Uh, The answers were many and varied. uh, But I want to start with what the scripture says. And so in Genesis, it says, are we okay with the... Yeah. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He created them in his own image. Male and female. So his image is, incorporates both male and the female. There's a guy, uh, a leader, pastor, author, uh, who wrote uh, Jack, his, his name's Jack Frost. Who would name their kid that? <laughs> Must have been a cold morning when he was born. <laughs> How could God have created the female in his own image if there is not some aspect to his nature and character that is feminine? While I'm not taking it to the extent that a few might say by saying that God is actually female, the nature of God does encompass both masculinity and femininity. The masculine heart cries out to do, to form and to create, to initiate, to know wisdom and to rationalise and intellectualise. And the feminine heart seeks to be. It longs for communion and connection, to bond and to know and to be known emotionally. So the power to receive lies in the femininity and the power to give lies in the masculinity. So that's why we have, you know, the man gives his seed and the woman receives it. God transcends gender. It takes both parts to give us a complete image of God. And I think this has actually been something that's been under attack through the ages. In the scripture, we see God is a God of compassion. We need not ever fear the Lord. He is our comforter. In Isaiah, it says, as one who comforts his mother, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. In our world at the moment, particularly, there's, there's always so many concerns. You know, there's, there's wars and there's rumours of wars and a lot of reasons to be quite concerned. But God wants to be a mother and a father to his children. And the mother heart is kind and gracious and eternal. God is the source of all love. But what is aside the truth about the maternal side of God? God's love is healing, comforting, gentle and kind, just like a mother's love. The Bible uses beautiful imagery to depict 
God's tenderness as a mother, nursing, weaning, and caring for her children. And the one true living God is mysteriously represented by three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Similarly, as a child of God, we also represent a spiritual mystery, as he says, because each person is a trinity of body, mind, and spirit. Um, during my reading, it was very interesting for me to discover that in the very early texts in the Aramaic, the Holy Spirit was spoken about in the feminine form. And those texts were carried over and they were translated over into the Syriac language. And those texts have remained um, in a museum, a place called St. Catherine's, which is at the base of Mount Sinai, where, where God gave the Ten Commandments. But during that time, that period, the next two, three hundred years, where women actually were a very important part of the early church and the propagation and the extension of the, of, of the kingdom and extension of the gospel, uh, those terms were still used. But it's very interesting that uh, come along Constantine and all those manuscripts disappeared. And the Aramaic, which is the feminine form of the Holy Spirit, then became the Greek, which is a neutral form, gender neutral, and then finally into Latin, which became a masculine form of the term. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, further in my reading, I, I, I found it fascinating to see uh, Count Zinzendorf of the Moravians. Uh, he would always refer to the Holy Spirit as mother. His understanding of, of God and the Trinity was it was like a family. So we had mother, we had father, and we had son. And under his leadership, women also prospered. He ordained women, and he saw thousands come into the ministry. And the Moravian missionary movement was actually one of the most powerful and effective that the world has ever seen. Because in it, we saw the reflection of the wholeness of God's character, not only the, the masculine side, but also the feminine side. So it was the, the father heart and the mother heart towards his people. If, if we only see part of that, we're actually not understanding the full, wonderful nature and character of God. So it's actually really important. Uh, in the scripture, Jesus um, showed his first miracle was performed at his mother's request. His first revelation of himself as Messiah was to a woman. He did his great miracle at the request of two women. His death was memorialized by a woman. Women were included in the expanded group of disciples. They stayed with him when he was crucified. Women observed his burial. Following his resurrection, he appeared first to a woman. He called women to be the first evangelists. Women were included in the group of disciples who met daily for prayer after the ascension of Jesus. And prophecy was fulfilled when the Spirit was given equally to men and women. Women were among the first believers who made up the early church. And the first church in Europe was actually begun with a group of women and actually met in a home and subsidized by women. The early church was staffed by women. And the very fact that the Bible takes very much care to carefully record all of these above reveals the intentionality of God's purpose to reestablish the position of women to that of equality with men. 
His son, Jesus Christ, not only bridged the gap between God and humans through his death on the cross that made atonement for their sin, he removed all barriers, including that of gender, race, and nationality. And this was confirmed by the Apostle Paul. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's. <laughs> One of the most important words in the Bible about the feminine aspect of God is the, the word mercy, which uh, is ayuk, noting that the Hebrew root of the word is racham, which means womb. In the Hebrew and Arabic languages, mercy is an amazing word and an extremely important word. The Bible repeatedly describes the mercy of God as being womb-like, in that very protected place, in that kind place, in that place that protects, nourishes her baby until delivery. And the mercy of God is ever faithful, like a devoted mother who never gives up on a child of her womb and always shelters her beloved offspring. The nature of God is not masculine or feminine in the biological sense, but in the spiritual sense of the word as a loving and nurturing parent. So can a woman forget her nursing child, Isaiah 49, and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Has any of you seen um, the program, uh, what's, what's it called? There's, well, there's actually several, uh, Long Lost Family Lost and found, yeah. And these are often stories of mothers or parents. Uh, it's, it's often mothers trying to find children that they've adopted out or children reconnecting. And it's incredibly moving and even, uh, uh, even amazing to see that even in those kind of settings where they might not have seen their child for 50 years or 60 years, still they never forgot that early experience. They never forgot carrying them in the womb. They never forgot everything that it engendered. And how much more so does God never forget us? <laughs> no love on earth is more committed to another human being than the love of a mother. She carries her baby in the warmth of her own body as her womb expands 1,000 times its original size to accommodate the child growing to full term. Then on the day of delivery, she goes through the anguish and pain of labour to give life to her precious offspring. The new mum is overjoyed with excitement and she cradles her baby close to her heart and comforts them. And a mother's primary ways of connecting, there's three ways, with affectionate touch, with eye contact and our tone of voice. It doesn't even matter what we're saying, it's our tone of voice. And I have somebody who's sitting in the front row here who's just very sensitive to my tone of voice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it doesn't even matter what I say, it can just be the tone. Um, and so that mother's love, and the same as is with God, you know, it's important for us to know that touch of the father, of the mother, of God. It's important for us to hear his voice. It's important for us for us to know that we are seen by God and that he sees us. 
In Luke it says, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under the wings. So there's a, the, the analogy there of, of a mother hen gathering her children. And that's how God sees us as well. Birthing is a, a uniquely female activity, and this is what God, God does in the spiritual realm when we're born again, using the analogy of coming forth from the womb. And this experience introduces us to a deep mystery about our spiritual origin. The characteristics, Jürgen Moltmann, a Bible scholar, says the characteristics of the Holy Spirit are obviously maternal, known as the comforter, the Holy Spirit comforts God's people as a mother comforts at a child. And we've heard of a, of a good mother who wanted to teach her child something. And when it was complained that she had to repeat the same thing 20 times, she said, yes, I did that because they didn't get it the other 19. And isn't that also a trait of God with us? <laughs> How many times do we not get it? And yet he continues to perpetuate uh, his love for us. We haven't got it on the 19th time. So again, he presents it to us for the 20th time. Ravi Zacharias says, the expression of the feminine or maternal personality of God's love is often very dramatic and women have the distinct privilege to reflect that sacred quality. In the Greek language, uh, we have the four descriptors of God's love. We have uh, the eros, which is the sense of being in love and it's romantic love. We have phileos, which is the love between friends. We have agape, which is the unconditional love, the love of God. And then we have storge, the love of a family, parent, child, siblings, cousins, grandparents. And it's affection shown in a family. In the Greek language, a mother's love is known as storge love. The word storge denotes strong natural affections. It comes from the word stork and is based on what the ancient Greeks observed about the gentle, tender love that storks had one for another. Has anybody ever seen a stork? Can we put that picture up? They're massive. And they build these massive big nests. And the thing with storks is, and this is what the ancient Greeks observed, is that they actually really take good care of their family. So the elderly are taken care of, and when they're trying to fly around and they get tired, the young ones come up underneath them and support them. And the older ones, they come and they feed the young, and they mate for life, and they keep returning. So it's a, it's a beautiful picture of the storge love. C.S. Lewis refers, refers to storge love as affectionate love. And affectionate love can also be known, the storge love can also be what's between a cat and a dog. <laughs> oh, we had to have fluffy animals in there somewhere. Come on. So this is our Nala and the, 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 the lynx cat. <laughs> the lynx cat. 
Um, but the love, it's been really interesting um, watching these two uh, play together. And Nala is, as a mother, has just kind of adopted Lynx, this crazy feral stray that got picked up in a pigsty somewhere. And really, truly, this cat is feral still. Um, <laughs> you can be sitting there, the next minute comes up and bites you. Uh, but Saskia's going to love it into submission. <laughs> Fortunately, we didn't have to keep the other two strays that she picked up <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> but that kind of love is really evident of, of God's love. And just wonder, you know, could it be that the church has sometimes lost some of its authority and power to overcome the evil one by putting a higher value upon masculine qualities building and producing, than upon feminine qualities, communion and intimate connected relationships? Could it be that we need a healthier balance of both before we see world revival? If I, um, if I look at what happened with Zinzendorf and the Moravians and many other uh, missionary organisations where they used the fullness of God's beautiful expression. It was powerful. It's powerful. He not only wants to produce miracles for his people, but he always wants to experience intimacy with him. And this morning there is really a call to intimacy. He wants to provide for his children with his love and he wants to receive love from them as well. He created us for that love and intimacy. God values femininity because he desires intimacy with us. And he has placed mothers on the earth to impart to their children, both boys and girls, how to cultivate intimate, compassionate, caring and loving relationships. I read a story this week of a grandmother. And grandmother was in the house and she was babysitting her very young granddaughter, which was four or five, beautiful wee girl. And uh, while they were uh, upstairs reading a story, a fire broke out downstairs in the kitchen. And they ended up being trapped. They, they uh, couldn't get down the stairs because that's where the, where the fire was. When they... When the firemen came in, when they finally uh, were able to tame the fire, they came in and they found the grandmother and they were looking for the child. They couldn't find the child. And then they finally found the child completely underneath the grandmother. The grandmother had laid over the grandchild and the grandmother was burnt. Unfortunately, they both perished. But the grandmother was completely burnt on top. And the child underneath was completely unharmed. They died of smoke inhalation. But it was such a, a, a picture of the mother love. The mother of love that wants to love and protect at any cost. We've gone through our own trials and tribulations with, with this. And uh, in 2010, our eldest son was diagnosed with 
finally diagnosed with a, a superbug, um, Staphylococcus aureus, in which he ended up being very, very unwell uh, to the point that he really, they really didn't think he was going to come out of ICU. And that time, what happened in my heart as a mother, I would have fought tooth and nail. I would have given anything to have exchanged places with my son at that point. I did not want to see him suffer. I did not want to see him perish. Uh, he was a very sick boy. He was on a ventilator. All his main organs were shutting down. And they had sent in the social worker, which is never a good sign. Um, at that point, I had a revelation of God's love. And even my prayers started to change. It was no longer, God, your son, my son, David. But it became, Lord, your son, David. Your son. And as much as I wanted to love and protect and cherish and change places with him, I couldn't. But I was there. I think I'd stayed awake for three days straight just to be there with him. I would have done anything. But you know what? That same love Jesus showed us. When he watched us in our suffering and in our pain close to death, and he was able to make that great exchange. He was able to take our place. He was able to come in and be the replacement for us in the midst of all that terror and all that terribleness. And this morning, I really believe that God is wanting us to have a new revelation of his love, the fullness of his love. Every part of his love. Maybe it's not what you've seen it's been like in the past. Maybe it's not what you've been told it is in the past. Maybe God's character is quite different to what has been presented or misrepresented to you. But the entirety of God's love, both the father and the mother aspect of his love for us, would give everything and indeed did give everything for our salvation. So today God wants us to know and experience his tender, gentle loving nature and see fully who he is in the wholeness and entirety of who he is. And this morning, I just want to give an opportunity for those of you who have never really encountered that love in its fullness to respond to that love because God has an amazing plan and purpose for each one of our lives. He has an amazing love that he is wanting to penetrate to the depths of our very being with. He's wanting us to respond to every aspect of his character. He's wanting to nurture us like children. He's wanting to protect us. And he's wanting to call us into everything that he has for our lives.